Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. What a privilege it is to be with you this morning. Thank you, Wes. Where's our band? Can you give it up for the band? Are those great? What a blessing. I love Aaron. There he is. Um, It is a joy to be here with you this morning. Uh, First of all, I have to introduce uh, the best part of my life. Uh, We celebrated 36 years this last uh, August. Give it up for Carol Turner over here. She hates being put on the spot. So I love doing it all the time. And it gets me in a lot of trouble. It was so much fun. Who's on the men's retreat? Can I see hands, guys? We had a a great group of men and... uh, what a, what a great weekend it was. I'm surprised you didn't get tired of me. I'm, I'm sure some of you are sitting there going, I had three days with him. I don't know if I need another morning with him. So I'm grateful to be here with you. You have some really outstanding men in your church, men that are committed to you, men that are committed to their families, men that want to be better husbands and fathers, better men to the community, and it was a joy to be with them, so thank you. And it's a privilege to be here this morning. And I, want, I decided I wanted to share with you one of my favorite passages of scripture. So open up your Bible to Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Now, before we jump into the scripture, I want to talk about a relationship and see what your relationship is like with this. Do a little status. What is your relationship? You know, the most important relationship we have is our relationship with the father himself and his son, But the next most important relationship we're ever going to have in this life is going to be with this book. And my question this morning is, what's your relationship like? Is this a friend? Is it an acquaintance? Is it somebody that you're afraid of? Is it somebody you look forward to spending time with? Because how we view this relationship and how we feel about this relationship is going to determine how much time, energy, resources we spend in this relationship. How do you feel about turning to it? See, I look at this, and if nothing else in my life, I'm discovering in my walk with Jesus, this book has more and more and more influence in my life than anything else besides the Spirit of God. My biblical curiosity continues to grow. And not that I know more, I'm fascinated more by what this book has to say and how this book affects me. But I'm discovering that this book has a really bad reputation, even in the Christian community. A lot of times people look at this book and they look at it and they, it, it gets dusty. It's not somebody we spend a lot of time with. And a lot of times I think we look at this book and we think, this book's going to make me feel worse than better. Anybody ever felt that way? You look at your Bible and think, I really need to get into that, but, like, but I haven't been there in a while. Uh, I don't know about this relationship. Well, I want to tell you, I've, I've struggled in my walk a lot of times with this word. There was a time not that long ago that I was so disappointed with God that I'm like, because I tried so hard working on this thing, wanting to know it, I set it down. I'm like, it's not working. For a whole year, I didn't look at my word. Now, I still spent time in prayer. I still still spent time talking with the Lord, but I didn't get into his word. And it was interesting. A year went by, and I remember thinking, 
I miss my friend. I haven't spent time with my friend in a long time. And I thought, maybe my friend's going to be upset with me. And it was interesting, because I went to my friend, and I opened him up, and it was like my friend said, oh, good, I'm glad you're back. I got something to share with you. How often do we look at this book and hope that we get into this book, that this book will somehow change our circumstance, change life itself? If we read this, our lives are going to change. I think that's a misconception. This book will change us. This book will change the way we view our circumstance. This book is going to change the way we view our lives. This book is going to change the way we view him. That's what needs to change. Our circumstances, it says, are always going to be bleak. There is trouble tomorrow, it says. The question is, how am I going to handle it? I think sometimes we look at this book and we think, this book's just make me feel bad. That it brings shame somehow. It reveals my sin. But it doesn't. This frees me from my sin. It tells me how I have a Savior who died for my sin. And it takes the shame away. So how are you doing with your friend? Is this your best friend? Or is this? Sure see a lot of people on this thing. We spend a lot of time on this device. And I understand you could have a Bible on there too, yeah. And you could be reading your Bible. Does this ever happen to you? I'm reading my Bible on my, my app, and I get an email. Oh, I got to take care of that. I get a text. Oh, I got to take care of that. Next thing you know, I'm working. I'm not spending time in the Word. Unfortunately, this device tends to take up more of our time than this does. So I, I challenge myself all the time. Am I getting more of this than I am this? Because this one doesn't, have anybody ever felt better after being on Instagram or Facebook for an hour? Have you ever felt better? No, me neither. So if we need encouragement, we need hope, we need help, this is the place to go. Let this word change you. Let it transform you. Let it change the way you think about your who you are. Let it change the way you think about your life. Let it change the way you think about him. Let it change the way you look at your circumstance because that's where hope is. And this scripture is one of those I come back to an awful lot. When I get down and discouraged, and I don't know about you, but I get down and discouraged a lot. Anybody else? It's kind of like, man, I can go on these emotional roller coasters. You know, one day I can, you know, save the world. The next day I just want to watch TV, you know. Save the world, Netflix, you know. Anybody else on a roller coaster sometimes in life? And so this becomes a solid ground for me to get back to, to go. And this word that I want to share with you today is transforming my life, continues to, and I always come back to it. So open up your friend to Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and piece it up a little bit. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason... I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ 
that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could hope or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can open up your word. And your word can be a light to us. It can encourage us. It can build us up. And Lord, that we might recognize this word was written by you, inspired by you for us today that we can lay our troubles down and get into your word. We can lay our struggles down and get into your word. That you are our hope in all things, in all times, in all places, if we will learn to turn to you. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So let's look at the first part of this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. I kneel. I bow, some versions say. I'm humbled. I don't know about you, but I look at that, and that's where I first get stuck right away. Do we like to humble ourselves? Do we like to bow down before anything? We don't like to, but it's interesting because we do it a lot. We bow down to the power of Instagram, to the power of Facebook, to the power of Fox News, to the power of CNN. We bow down to a lot of different things. Did I go from preaching to meddling? I'm not sure. We do, though, don't we? What do we bow down to? What are the things that we surrender to and say, I'm going to give in to this or I'm going to give in to that? Do we even know we're doing it? I don't think so. Next thing you know, we're just spending a lot of time doing one thing or another. And Paul's saying, for this reason, and we're going to get to the reason in a bit, I bow down. I take a knee. Now, in my life, taking a knee has been a real problem to the Lord. Surrendering my life to the Lord has been a real problem. I first surrendered to the Lord when I was eight. Went and got baptized. Did it make a difference in my life? Probably did I know. I had no idea. Nobody was there to help me. Did it again in high school and did it in college. I kept having to, wait a second, what's wrong? And I think the problem was I didn't stay bowed. You know what I mean? I think sometimes we're like, all right, Lord, I'm going to take a knee. But very soon after we take a knee, we get up and we think, hey, we're pretty good. And we, we start running again. And the Lord's like, hold on, slow down, slow down. You need to surrender. You need to slow down. You need to bow. Well, I'm going, Lord. No. I need to bow down. I need to continually be bowed. And the sad part about my life, which was also glorious because God's redemption is good, is that it took something really tragic for me to learn this lesson. We came to Phoenix to be in full-time ministry in the late 80s. And within two years, and I'm in full-time ministry, I'd been married for just a couple years, had one child, had another on the way. Then second child was born. My life as a husband and as a father was terrible. 
my life as a minister of the gospel seemed to be good. I would go to places and speak and people would respond, but my personal life was a wreck. I was abusive, I was angry, I was bitter, I was hostile. All those things in my spirit were affecting my relationship with my wife and my kids. And after two years of being here in full-time ministry, she did the most courageous thing I've ever seen a woman do. She packed up both of our kids and she left because I hadn't bent the knee. I wasn't bowing down to Jesus, not to my wife, to Jesus. I have yet to see a man who has surrendered to God be abusive, angry, and bitter. See, when we bend the knee to God, we get peace, patience, kindness, hope, mercy, grace. But if we try to do it in our own strength, we're always going to run into these roadblocks. And, and eventually, for me, it came her leaving. I had to step away from ministry. I had to stop. I had to reevaluate my Christianity. How could I be saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Spirit and have my wife leave me? I don't think it's possible. I had to reevaluate my life. I had to learn to bend the knee and surrender to God continually, daily. Choose ye this day who you will serve. Is that a daily commitment to bow the knee? For me, it is. I have to get up, spend time with my friend, decide that today is God's day, and I want to know what he wants to do in and through me. But my struggle was I always wanted to do a work for God. God just wants to do a work in us. He's done a work for us. He wants to do a work in us. And as he's doing that work in us, he'll do a work through us. But if we're worried about the work through us, we're going to miss the work he wants to do inside of us. So this is where this passion starts. I have to bend the knee. I have to learn to surrender. I have to give up. Being the author of my own life. I have to give up deciding I want what I want. And those of you that are married, here's the news. You're not an individual anymore. You've got to decide as a team who you are and what you're supposed to do. As a team, surrendering to God. I didn't get that until she left. I'm like, all right, Lord, i got to reboot this thing. And we did. And God miraculously restored our relationship. Paul goes on. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen, circle strengthen, you with power, circle power, through his spirit, circle his spirit, in your inner being. Strength, power in your spirit. How many of you need to be strengthened? Come on now. Have we ever in your life seen a more divisive culture, world, than we have right now in our world? Have you ever seen anything like it? I don't know about you, but I need some strength. I need some strength to keep going, to try to figure out what is going on. I've never seen something so divisive ever in the last year and a half, two years. And I got news for you, church. I don't think it's going to get easier. You know why? Because I think God wants people to get off the fence. Who are you for? 
Are you for Jesus or not? Are you for this or are you for this? If this is where you get all your information, all your hope, it's going to be problematic. I think we're getting to the point in our world right now we're going to have more persecution towards Christians in America. I think it's coming. I think we're already feeling it. So where do you stand with your friend? Is this your friend you're going to stand on or are you going to stand on something else? I don't know about you, but I need strength to figure out what we're supposed to do, who we're supposed to be. Anybody need power? I love this word gets used a lot. And the word is really, in the Greek, it's like, it's supposed to be like the word for dynamite. Something explosive in our lives. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for something that's powerful. And the interesting thing is, it's right there for us. His spirit at work within us. You know, it says that when you've accepted Jesus, you've invited his spirit into you. That's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you, lives inside of me. Is that powerful? Oh, buddy. I think it's the most underutilized force in the universe. The power of God at work within our spirit. The struggle that I think most of us have is slowing down enough to bow. To say, I'm going to stop going and I'm going to start discovering and start being who and what God wants me to be. But we're so busy, so much to do. We're going, going, going. One of the things I see in the Christian culture is how often do we really Sabbath? Sabbath was a commandment, and it was a gift. Here, here, have a day. Do we take a day? No. Do we? Anybody really take a day? I don't know about you, but this is something I'm personally struggling with now, trying to figure out how can I take a day to recharge. We're supposed to work from our rest, not for our rest. But most of the people I talk to are tired, frustrated, angry, tired, tired, and tired. And the Lord's going, yeah, I gave you a day, but you're not taking it. I've given you power, but you're not surrendering to it. You actually have it at your disposal. It's there for you. Will you slow down and receive it? So it says right here, his power from his spirit to my spirit, my inner being, your eternal being. You know you're an eternal being? Made in God's image, God is spirit. You have a spirit in you that's eternal. God wants to strengthen it, to give it power, to give it hope. But do we slow down enough? Okay, Lord, I need you. I give up. I need your strength and our, your power. We do it with our vehicles, don't we? We slow, we're like, I'm out of gas, I'm gonna pull over. Get some gas. We do it with a lot of things. You know, we're constantly charging this thing, aren't we? Oh, where's the plug-in? We got them in our cars. We have our homes. We have everywhere else in our house. Plug in your phone. Plug it in. It's the same idea. Why we want power for the battery. You need power and strength for your battery. 
that Holy Spirit that's in you. He wants to strengthen it through his power. But we have to slow down enough to let him do it. Ever tried to get gas while you're moving? Doesn't happen, does it? We can't do that in our lives either. We have to slow down enough to meet him, spend time with him, let him energize us, let him encourage us. But we're so often about the doing rather than the being. His power, his strength. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted, circle rooted and established in love, may have power again together with all the Lord's people. He wants us to be rooted. I think I've got a picture. Did we get that picture? Oh, look at that. That's rooted. How long does it take for a tree to get rooted? How much water does it take for a tree to get rooted? Are you planted by a stream? How are you watering your roots? Because this is an illustration of what it can look like to be truly rooted, that it would go deep into our lives. Not just on the surface, because a tree that has no roots like that will just tip over. The first time the breeze comes, that tree's going to tip over, unless it has roots like that. Have you noticed a lot of trees tipping over lately in the world? Is it possible that they don't have roots? Real roots that go deep. And again, the problem with roots, they take time. We live in a culture that just, I mean, have you ever sat in McDonald's line? Oh, you don't go to McDonald's, right? Or Wendy's or somewhere like that. Like, you, you can't stand to wait in line, right? Anybody else like me or waiting in line? It's like crazy. We're in such a hurry, we can't even sit. I'll never forget, uh, it, was, it was one of the young students at ACU where I'm at, they challenged me to do a, a uh, social media fast and a um, secular music fast. I'm like, oh yeah, that'll be easy. And then I'm driving home, sure enough, I'm at a stop sign, stoplight, I'm waiting for the light to turn green. I go to look at my phone and the Lord's like, what you doing? I'm on a fast. I was going to look to see what's on there at a stoplight. Why do I do that? Why do we do that? Can't we just sit there and enjoy the moment? Can we sit there and spend time with Jesus at a stoplight? I think we can, but I'm, 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 I got I to gotta look to see what's going on rather than sit there and realize, wow. And I, when I grabbed the phone, I realized I actually have a problem. I have, a, I have an addiction to the thing, this device. And I'm trying to push it farther away so it doesn't affect me. And I know it's not just about millennials and the young people. We on it too, old folks. Amen? Can I get a witness? I have to be able to push it away. Because I want my roots to grow. What are your roots like? How deep do they go? How much are you watering this tree of life? Because being rooted means I have to invest the time. I have to let it grow. And then he tells us, 
to grasp. But now he's going to tell us the reason. He started with the reason why he slows down to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all fullness in God. How wide, how deep, how long is his love? Do we really believe that he loves us? No. Do we? I think this is the journey. This is where the roots have to go. This is about, this is what the roots need to be, that we really believe he loves us. Because I don't know about you, because oftentimes, what do we do when circumstances don't go our way in our vehicles? Do we say things we shouldn't say? Do we take somebody's name in vain immediately? How often does God and Jesus Christ get used in vain immediately when our world goes bad? Am I right? That's our gut reaction. We're blaming God because our roots aren't very deep. It's his fault because that's who God is. He just wants to thump us upside the head. Do we really believe how wide and deep his love is? I think that's what we're working on. That's why we have to slow down. We have to get into his word to find out what it has to say. Do we believe he forgives our past? Do we? Or is that part of what keeps us from this word? Because we think he doesn't really forgive all that. No, how could he? I hear a lot of people say, well, I can't forgive myself. So if you're saying God forgives you, but you can't forgive yourself, then you're God. Right? And I do it too. I take the place of God in my life. I don't bow the knee. I stand up and say, I'm not going to forgive me for that. That was too bad. Now, I got to tell you, I'm still the worst guy I've ever met or had to work with. So my past is filthy. I was abusive to Mary Poppins, for goodness sakes. That's bad. But at some point, I've got to believe his love is that wide. So does he, do you believe he forgives your past? The question might be, will you let him? Will, will you let him turn you loose? Because some of us get stuck on things we've done, and the enemy uses it. Because I read in here that the enemy of our soul, the accuser, accuses us how often? How often? Day and night. The enemy will lie to you and tell you what you did before was was unforgivable. He's an accuser because he accuses us. It says he does it day and night. Does, Does the enemy tire? No. Does the enemy get hungry? No. Does the enemy get COVID? No. Is he going to continue to accuse you? Yes. Do you have a weapon against those accusations? Which is the word, the sword, to fight off those accusations. And you're only being accused like I am daily, all the time, about your past, about your present. Has the enemy ever told you you're a hypocrite? You're such a hypocrite. I get that one all the time. 
And I discovered as soon as I agree with that statement from the enemy, it's like a foot in the door of my soul. And now I'm having a conversation. He goes, and you do this, this, and this. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, oh, I got you now. Now he's got a, a stranglehold on me. Because I don't believe in the depth and the breadth of this love. Rather than saying, you're a hypocrite. No, I'm not. Get out of here. I know who my Savior is. I know what he's done for me. It ain't about me. It's about the work he's done for you and what he's done for me. Because there's nothing that I can do that can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Where did I get that? My friend told me. But do I really believe it? Not all the time. Do you believe that he forgives the future? Because there's some of you thinking, I know I can't, I can't stay on this. I don't know that I can be this good. Guess what? You don't have to be this good. He's already taken care of it. He's taken care of the future. Do you believe it? That's part of the depth and the width and the breadth. And they're thinking, what about this sin, this terrible sin? That's how deep does his love go? Do you really believe there's nothing you could do that could separate you from his love? Because that's what my friend told me. That's the roots. The more we believe that, the more we understand that, the less the enemy can do, the less the enemy can lie to us, the less distracted we will get. And we'll really begin to believe that I'm enough because of Jesus. So I think we're always trying to be more. If I do this, if I do that, God will truly love me. If I do this, uh, he'll like me. If I do this, I'll be right. Maybe you're already enough because of him. If we slow down enough, we can recognize he likes us. He knew us in our mother's womb. That's what my friend said. That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So my friend told me, do you believe it? Because that's our roots. And we have to keep watering those roots because the enemy is going to come and try to blow down the tree and keep lying to us. The world's going to keep coming against us. There's nothing in our culture that's going to stand up and say, good for you, staying home and being with your wife and kids and doing the right thing. That doesn't happen. Is that what we need to do? Yeah. Do we need to take a day of rest? Yes, we do. But you feel terrible if somebody called you, hey, would you help me? And you're like, no, I'm resting today. Well, you're what? Well, you're resting? How horrible. I mean, none of us would even confess that we're resting. We feel guilty. We're, don't we? we I, even at home, I'm like, can I take 10? And she's like, don't ask my permission. Just take it. We're doing this. We're struggling with this all the time now. It's okay to rest in him. It says, be still. That's what my friend told me. Be still and know I'm God. I hate being still. I want to keep moving. I've got so much to do in my yard. Anybody else like that? There's so much to do, so much to get done. Is your work ever done? Never. 
When are you going to slow down? Never. Will you ever have enough money? I promise you, you won't. So slow down and enjoy what you got. Because he's got your future. He's taken care of your past. He wants you to enjoy the present. He wants you to be in this moment, this life, this breath that he's given you today. He wants you to soak it in. He wants you to enjoy it. How many of you have grandkids? Aren't they the best? They're so fun and they're exhausting. But you know what? I, I would never regret whatever it takes just to be in their presence. Right? You never get those days back just to sit and hang with the grandkids or your kids. We make choices day in and day out, week in and week out, to enjoy these moments or to fret and to worry. And he's telling us, I've got you. I'm taking care of you. Do you really believe me? No. Lord, help me with my unbelief. That's the only way he can help us is if we struggle with that, acknowledge it, and slow down enough and let him and have a dialogue with him. And maybe even it's at a stoplight. He'll tell you you're okay. Hang in there. Stay off your phone. Put some good music on. I'm here with you. We got this. You're not going to be late. You're fine. You're five minutes early. You're always early. You get there. And you remember you were fretting all the way there and you got there early just like he said you would. We slow down, listen to him. He goes on, Paul goes on and says, and I love this closing, now to him, to Jesus, to him who is able to do immeasurably more, circle that, to him, to Jesus, who's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine. I can imagine Anybody else got a great imagination? You know what's really fun for me now that I've got some traction and have some years I can look back and go, I've imagined a lot, but what he's done. Wow. What he's done. I recently became the campus pastor at Arizona Christian University. Would never have dreamed of it. I wouldn't have applied for it. Because I wouldn't have, that was immeasurably more than I would ever hoped or dreamed. And the Lord's like, oh, I got you. And I walked right into it. I'm getting to have more fun now than I've ever had in ministry in my entire life. And I didn't sign up for it. The Lord goes, I got you. Because I got your present and I've got your future and I'm going to take care of you. Because I'm learning to surrender. I'm learning to give up the control of my life and let him be God because I'm no good at it. Because when I try to be God, it's really bad, isn't it, sweetie? It's just terrible. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. His grace and his mercy, do we believe? Or do we just talk about it? Because who we are on Monday and Tuesday is who we really believe we are. Because it's easy to believe in Jesus on Sunday, but do I, on Monday and Tuesday, do I get up and go, this book was written by God, I think I better get into it, and this spirit that's in me has, is the same spirit to raise Christ from the dead, I better discover what it has to say to me, 
Because he will talk with you. He will teach you. He will lead you and direct you in all things. But you need, we all have to slow down enough to recognize what he's already done. So my encouragement is, you slow down today. Take note of where you've been, how he's led you, guided you, and directed you, and got you to this spot. And even all the struggles in your life that you've had, and we all have them, can you see his fingerprints? Can you recognize that in some of the most difficult, painful places in your life, he was there the whole time, caring for you, waiting for you, wanting to encourage you, loving you, even when you don't see it. He's working. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Why? He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. Do you believe it? Father, I thank you for North Bible Church and the miracles you've done and you're going to continue to do right here in their midst because you love them. You love them so much, Lord, and that we would slow down enough to receive that love, to recognize that love, to be changed by that love, that we would grasp how wide and deep and long and wide your love is for us, Father. Help us to slow down, Lord. If you're here this morning with all eyes bowed, if you need some strength, some power in your life this morning, please raise your hand and let our eyes meet. I'd love to see you this morning. Thank you. If you're here, raise your hand up. Thank you. You want some strength and some power. Acknowledge it. Thank you. I love it. Father, thank you for those that want more of you, that they sense your presence, they sense your power. Fill them to the fullest that we experience your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.